Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? I hope that you are doing well wherever you are in the world. Before we get started in today's episode, I wanted to let you know that my book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, is 99 cents on Kindle. On the Amazon store, Think Unbroken, my book is 99 cents from now until the rest of the year. As we head into the end of 2020, I recognize that people need as many resources as possible. And so the Kindle version of that book is only 99 cents. 
I hope that you'll take some time and check it out and read it and review it and share it and buy 25 copies for your friends. It's really important right now that we come together as a community and a people and heal and learn and grow together. If you're not familiar, Think Unbroken is a book that I wrote about my journey through healing based on the mindset principles and adaptations of, of really what I would consider to be the most important assets of this process. So do me a favor, check out Think Unbroken on Amazon. Please buy a copy or 25. It would mean the world to me and share it with someone who needs it. Welcome to the Michael Unbroken podcast, where it's all about understanding your past, getting out of the vortex, creating intention, cultivating self-belief, and becoming the hero of your own story. This podcast answers real client questions with real, personal, practical, and actionable advice based on science, mindset, and becoming unbroken. Now, your trauma coach, author, and speaker, Michael Anthony. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you for taking time to hang out with me today. I know that it's been a couple of weeks. I want to say, first and foremost, I feel very refreshed and revived. I needed a bit of a break, so I took a small vacation and just kind of disappeared into the world to recollect myself, which I think is super important. We always need to take some time for ourselves, spend some time with our friends, our families, our partners, the people that are important to our lives, spend time alone, just kind of take all the chaos of the world and just put it aside for a few days. So you notice I didn't upload any podcasts. I know you guys expect it from me every week, and I appreciate you continuing to listen and share and rate and review. And if you could do that with this episode as well, it would mean the world to me. So I'm back. I appreciate you. It's exciting to be back. I'm loving doing the podcast and putting myself into it more and more. And today, what I'm going to talk about is something a little bit different. I've recently put on Instagram a question. I posed a question on Instagram and I said, what do you want me to talk about on the podcast? And I just left it open. You could say literally anything. And to me, this podcast isn't only about mental health. I had questions about sexuality and healing and employment and careers and, you know, how to navigate relationships and how to deal with your parents and so on and so forth. The list just went on and on and on and on. So if you have a question that you would like me to answer or a topic that you would like me to talk about on the podcast, feel free to message me on Instagram at Michael Unbroken, or you can even email me. My personal email, this comes directly to me, is michael at thinkunbroken.com. And then that way I can answer your question on the podcast or talk about that topic at hand. And so as we head into this week's episode, that's exactly what we're going to do. Someone asked me, and they asked to remain not anonymous, so I'm not going to share their name. They said, what are your thoughts on plant medicine for healing childhood trauma? I have a lot of thoughts on plant medicine for healing childhood trauma. The first thing that comes to mind is I am very familiar with plant medicines. Um, I Let me preface this real quick. I am not a shaman and I am not a doctor. Don't take anything what I say. Like I don't want you to message me in a month and be like, I tried ayahuasca and now my life is worse. 
Uh, that's on you. Let's be very clear. I love you and I support you, but this is on you. Everything that you do around drugs and things of that nature, you are an adult, I hope. And if you're not, you shouldn't be listening to this anyway. Or maybe you should. I don't know. I don't make your decisions for you. That said, what I want to talk about is not only my experience with different plant medicines, but the impact that I think that they have. I can't talk from a third person perspective, and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a botanist, so I don't understand all of the mechanisms of them, but I do understand my journey. And I've shared it before. I started smoking weed when I was 12 years old. That is so incredibly. I don't think that people really understand the negative ramifications of smoking marijuana that young. For me, it was escapism, right? It kind of started like this. My, my best friend hit me up and he goes, hey man, do you want to go for a bike ride? Well, I'm like, of course, it's midsummer Indiana. It's hot as hell in our house. I just want to get out. And my grandmother at that time was driving me insane. So I'm like, all right, yeah, totally, whatever. And so I tell my grandma, I'm going for a bike ride. I'll be back eventually. Because, you know, this was the 90s. This was the late 90s. It might have been 98, 99. And back then, you could just, like, disappear as a kid on your bike, and no one would give a shit. In fact, they encourage it. Don't come home till like, midnight, whatever. And I tell my grandma, I'm going to go on this bike ride with my best friend. And she says, well, will you bring me home a Diet Coke? And I go, yes, of course. She gives me a dollar. I expect that I'll use that dollar to go to the convenience store on the corner. I'll grab her a Diet Coke when I come back home. So we're out, we're riding, and, and we're hanging out, and we're hitting this kind of part of the neighborhood that's a little bit sketchy. But there is a bridge to a drainage pipe just past my house. And my friend goes, hey. Let's go down there. I want to show you something real quick. And I'm like, okay, let's go down there. Whatever. It's an adventure. And he pulls out a joint. And I've never seen one before. I knew it because, like, my mom used to have weed stashed on the top of our armoire. Like, I knew about this. I knew this thing was here. And he takes this out and he goes, hey, do you want to smoke this? Do you want to get high? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I want to do this? Like, I'm trying to look cool. But also simultaneously, I'm super curious about this. And I don't know where that curiosity comes from. Maybe it's from television or movies or like seeing it in my home. But I was like, yeah, I absolutely want to do this. And so we smoked this small baby joint. And the next thing you know, like I am high as fuck. It's so crazy to me that people say that sometimes on their first time smoking, excuse me, not sometimes, but the first time that they smoke that they don't get high, that's insane to me. I was so fucking high, like I could high five Jesus. Like that's how high I was. And as we get back on our bikes and we're riding around, everything, like everything, I will never forget this. The sun is brighter. The sounds are more in depth. The colors are brighter. The wind on my face felt cooler than it ever felt. Everything was intensified everything was magnified and it was such like a beautiful experience to me that first time that I got high the first time I smoked weed was so incredible that I never wanted that feeling to go away and so as we're riding around our bicycles we end up at this target miles and miles and miles away and I've got like two dollars in my pocket and all I'm thinking is wait target sells the blue raspberry slushies. 
and I have to have one of those. So we go inside of Target. I take this money I was supposed to use to buy my grandma a Diet Coke, and I get this slushie. And let me tell you this. It was the most incredible thing that my mouth had ever tasted. Like, it was just flavor explosion of sugar and blue, and I loved it. So I go back home, and I show up without the Diet Coke. This is probably about four or five hours later, and I'm definitely still high. And I don't know if my grandmother noticed. I don't know if she really even wanted to accept that I probably was high. And in the future, we would battle about it because she definitely knew. And in this moment, she goes, where's my Diet Coke? And I said, oh, I forgot it. The dollar must have fallen out of my pocket, like lying like a child because I lied. And she goes, okay, fine, whatever. Here's another dollar. Go to the convenience store, get the Diet Coke. I go get the Diet Coke. I come home. And that's like the first time. And, you know, they talk about chasing the dragon when you use drugs like cocaine or heroin, which I've never used. And I've never smoked crack. Luckily, even though it was everywhere in my neighborhood as a kid. And I remember... Every single time that I got high after that time, not leading up to that and just feeling like, oh, man, how do I get there? And that process, like this getting high thing became a by any means necessary because at 12 years old, what I didn't recognize is that this drug, this plant, this medicine, marijuana, it can be used for positive things. I truly believe this. Or it can be used to help you disappear into the ether of the world so you don't have to deal with your problems, so you don't have to show up, so you don't have to worry about things, so you can hide from the anxiety, so you can run away from confrontation, so you don't have to look in the mirror and reflect on the decisions that you're making. And sometimes it's helpful. Like sometimes you have to disappear and hide and run and be like, I don't want whatever this is right now. And sure, it's like alcohol and, you know, people escape into it and it's really bad and it can destroy your life. And that started to happen for me really young, really young, because by the time I'm like 14, we are out selling marijuana all the time. And it's small nickel and dime bags because we're kids and we don't have that much money. But we were doing anything in our power to get more weed. We were breaking in the houses to steal stuff, to sell, to buy marijuana. We were stealing cars to buy marijuana. We were just trying to sell more and more drugs, right? And part of it also was like just getting high. Just I craved for lack of a better term, getting high. I craved it. I wanted it. I needed it because it helped me escape the violence of my home, the memories from a couple of years ago and the abuse and the trauma and dealing with my mother, who's a drug addict and alcoholic and dealing with my stepfather, who now as I'm growing, like I want to battle, I want to hurt. Like I'm dealing with my grandmother who at this point, Her racism is starting to dip into my life a little bit. And I'm dealing with the fact that I'm flunking all of my classes in school again. I'm the loser. I'm the outcast. I'm chubby kid. I was shopping at Walmart Husky section. Any of my friends are familiar with that. You know what I mean? And I find myself in this place where I'm like, all right, I just got to get high. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And the next thing you know, sun up to sundown, every single day that is humanly possible, I am high. 
because I just don't know else, another way to function. I've run out of ideas on how to be a human being. My identity was tied to being high. And that led to getting almost expelled from school, being in handcuffs a couple of times, running from the cops more times than I care to count, losing friends, losing relationships, and ultimately not graduating high school on time, right? I can attribute the fact that I was a failure in school to the fact that I was high and hanging out with the wrong people. And teachers would tell me, they'd say, hey, you're actually with the wrong crowd. Like the people you are spending time with, their lives are not going to go anywhere. There is something about you, Michael, that is different that you need to figure out how to tap into. But I didn't know how to do that. And so I never really did. I never put myself into a position to be successful in high school because I thought, oh, they're just trying to keep me away from the only people who actually care about me. Because also there was community in getting high, right? I had some really fun experiences. I also had some really bad, some really dark, and some incredibly dangerous experiences around marijuana. And as I headed into my adult years after high school, my early 20s, it became everything, right? It became like cracky at times where I'm like, I have this itch. I would wake up, I'd get high, I'd go to work, I'd be at work, I'd take a break, I'd get high, I'd go home, I'd get high, I'd go to bed and get high. Like it just never stopped. It was this never ending circle. And of course there was like alcohol involved in there and some other things, but weed was this powerful like succubus for lack of a better term. Like it just wanted me and I wanted it and it was a siren, you know, in the ocean and it just called to me no matter what. It's like, Michael, get high. And I'm like, okay, that seems reasonable. Not recognizing even then that it was destroying my life. And I think a lot of people have this battle. I know a lot of people do. Some of my clients do. Some of my friends have. And, you know, you battle with this because it's tied up to your identity and your community and your friendships and your family and the way you think about yourself and the need for escapism and all the stuff that we've talked about. And then one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't get high anymore because my body like physically began to reject marijuana. And what I mean by that is every time that I got high, I would have the most incredibly vicious panic attacks. They were crippling where I would be on the ground for four or five hours at a time. Like I remember one that was so bad, I actually went to the emergency room. And you have to think about this. I had been getting high since I was 12 years old. And here I am at 28, like, oh, I need to go to the emergency room because I am so high right now, I actually feel like I'm going to die. And I think that was, you know, we talk about trauma being embedded in the body. And if you've ever read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, it talks about this thing we have to release. We have to take this trauma and this pain and what is inside of us, and we have to push it out into the world, out of us. We have to relieve it. We, it's like letting go of a pressure release valve. You have to put yourself in a position to access your humanity. And marijuana, for some people, allows them to do that in depth. And for people like me, it allowed me to shut down. 
And by shutting down, I never had to access that trauma. So it built and built and built and built until it would start to explode. And then that turned into these four or five panic attacks a day. And I came to this realization. I was like, oh, duh, dummy. Every time that you get high, you have a panic attack. What are you running from? What are you escaping from? And making that conscious understanding happen in my head, I then made a decision. I'm not going to smoke marijuana anymore because every time I do, it's really wrecking my life. And that was a really difficult thing to let go of. And people talk about marijuana is not addictive. Like, I believe as a chemical component, marijuana does not have addictive properties. However, from a mental aspect, I could not have been more addictive. From a physical, from like a physiological aspect, I felt addicted. And in fact, when I quit smoking, I went into withdrawal, where for two weeks, I was the most physically ill I had ever been because I could just feel it leaving my body. And then after that, clarity began to happen. Clarity. I'd never experienced this. I'd never had been clean. I'd never been sober. And also I'd made a decision at that time, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm just going to be sober. And I'd never been sober from all drugs, all alcohol, all cigarettes, tobacco, all the things. I'd never been sober for more than a couple of days. And that couple of days turned into a couple of months, which actually ended up turning into a couple years. And it was in that place that the majority of my healing like really took form, where it really began to shape and form the person that I am today. Because I could create intention and understanding around my growth. And I wasn't tied and stuck within this idea that I am a victim, which was a really big deal. That was like that understanding, that flip in my mindset from this is everyone else's fault and it is my problem turned into, yes, really bad things happened to me. Yes, they negatively impacted my life. Yes, I carry the scars, but my life and everything that happens from this moment is within my Hey, what's up, my friends? Hope that you are doing well wherever you are in the world today. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I've released some new material on Think Unbroken Academy. If you go to thinkunbrokenacademy.com, you can take the self-love assessment as well as the free course is CPTSD Controlling My Life, as well as sign up for the upcoming courses where we take some deep dives into mindset, healing, trauma, and overcoming. So you can check that out at thinkunbrokenacademy.com and I will see you in the classroom. Hands. And that was powerful. And I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it right now because it's held true almost a decade later where I have these moments like, yeah, I'm in control. Everything that happens in my life, despite like I get to look down at my finger that was cut off by my mother every day. It never goes away. But the pain that I carried, it doesn't how do I phrase this the right way? It doesn't consume me, right? It'll always be there. It'll never go away. That's how life works. But that space of sobriety gave me the ability to heal. It gave me the ability to like step into who I am a little bit more. 
And so, you know, when you think about marijuana, it goes both ways. It can either help you or it can hinder you. And in this healing process and journey, as I was in these bouts of sobriety and stepping into what was next, I was offered mushrooms multiple times. And the fear of mushrooms and the potential for me to lose control as a control freak and a perfectionist was too much. I, I couldn't imagine even doing it. Like I think about mushroom medicine and psilocybin and the impact that they've now had on my life. And I think like many things in life, they will come to you at the right time if you are paying attention. The things that you need in your life for healing, for growth, for your journey, for connection, whatever it is, will come to you at the right time. And I didn't feel like mushrooms were the right time for me for a lot of my late 20s and even in my early 30s. And then I was traveling the world and I was in Vietnam and I do not suggest, actually don't even listen to this part, just skip it because it's probably incredibly illegal. Actually, I know it is, and you might get the death sentence there, so be cautious. And I'm going to leave out some details to protect the people involved because that's really important. So I'm in Vietnam, and I am doing this meditation, and I'm thinking to myself, I believe that right now is the time for me to experience psilocybin. I'd been listening to Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sure you guys are super familiar with that. I'd been reading some research on it. I watched a couple documentaries about psilocybin. And I had gotten to this place in my life where I felt like I could freely let go of this idea of control. Because I recognized that the harder I held, the further away things got from me. And so now I'm thinking about letting go of control. And I'm thinking about why I need this not actually understanding or recognizing that that need was going to impact my life in a way that to this day has shaped who I am. So I'm in this meditation and I say, okay, I'm going to find mushrooms. In Vietnam, in this place where drugs are so illegal that you could go to prison for life for a joint. And if you have heroin, they're going to give you the death penalty, right? Like drugs are for real out there. Like you do not mess with them. But something told me the universe, spirit, my gut intuition, whatever you want to call it, said this is the place to do this. And so I knew someone and I had a conversation with them. And I said, this is the thing that I had come up during meditation. And this someone said, oh. I can actually help you with this. I am one of the only people in the entire city of Ho Chi Minh, which is where I was at the time, that has access to this plant medicine. And I thought to myself, oh, perfect. How the universe brought this person into my life months prior, and we had, had so many conversations, and I came to this realization that now was the time, and they were like, oh, I can help you. And of course, I'm hesitant. I'm scared. I'm terrified, actually, of like, okay, worst case scenario. And as I sat and I thought through it, I thought, okay, worst case scenario, I'll go to prison for the rest of my life, and this is a sting, and the cops will show up, and I'll get beaten every day, and so on and so forth. And I was like, well, that's not going to be a lot worse than my childhood was, so let's see what happens. And so this person supplied me with a few grams, and I decided to take them before a meditation. And 
I took four grams, which is a pretty significant amount for the first time, I feel. But I'm, I'm a big guy, so I thought, okay, let's see what happens. And what happened next was profound in a way that even today I can't fully understand. So I'm in this meditation, and I feel the effect start to take place. And it's this little bit of a heaviness, right? But it's also like my brain started to remove itself from my body. And suddenly I was watching myself in the meditation. And as I was watching myself, I just was laying there, nothing really coming to mind. And I decided in that moment, I I literally said this out loud. I said, take me wherever I need to go. And I don't know why I did that. It was just the readiness was there. Like whatever was going to come, whether it was a very traumatic, nightmarish type experience or this beautiful bliss, I was willing to step into it. And so as I stepped into it, I found myself floating in the ocean. Like I could feel the warmth of the water. I could feel the darkness. You know, if you go deep enough in the ocean, it just kind of turns dark. I could feel all of that happening. I could feel the warmth of it also. And I kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. And suddenly I noticed a treasure chest and it was gold and it was illuminating all of the ocean from it. And it felt like it was about a mile away and I'm swimming towards it and it's getting bigger and bigger. And as I swim, it gets bigger and brighter and I get closer and I'm reaching my hand towards it, this beautiful, bright gold treasure chest. And as I reach, an octopus comes out from behind it and wraps its arms around the chest. It's this gigantic blue octopus. And it looks at me and it says, you're not ready for what's inside of here. And I said, yes, I am. Show me. And it said, no, you're not. What is in here, you're not ready for. And I screamed, show me. I am ready. And the octopus looked at me and it said, there's no going back from here. And it removed its arms from the chest and my hand reached as it opened, just this beautiful light opening from inside of it. And I was sucked in and I was sucked into this memory of sitting on my front porch at eight years old as my mother was convulsing on the ground from one of her many overdoses and my stepfather screaming at me, call 911, call 911. And I had tried to call 911, but our phone didn't work because the night before he had ripped it out of the wall and thrown it at my little brother when he had called my grandmother to come and rescue him from the beating that he had just taken. And as I sat there on the, on the concrete watching little me terrified and shaking and crying, And this person, this man screaming at me and my mother on the brink of death in the bright, hot heat of this day melting my skin away, I knelt down next to the little me, little tiny baby eight-year-old Michael, and I said, I will keep you safe. Adult me came up to 
and said, I will keep you safe. I promise. And in that moment, like I physically was shaking and tears just erupting from my face and I could feel it. I could feel it just dripping down me. And I hadn't had such an emotional cry. I don't think ever in my entire life. And a sense of peace and calm came over me, which I had never experienced. And what I would even say is a regaining of trust with myself. Because in that moment, that promise it felt so real, that connection with my inner child, which, you know, as I even say this, you go, that is so far-fetched. This is not possible. This is not a thing. And every bit of this is true. And it profoundly changed my life. It changed who I am inside and out. And it made me feel powerful. And it made me feel strong and strength in a way that I had never known different from speaking or teaching or coaching or talking or reading or all of those things. It made me feel safe within my own skin, an experience that I had never had. And slowly, the mushrooms began to wear off, and I started coming back too, and I felt that peace still kind of with me. And I went outside and stood. And much like the first time that I smoked marijuana, I looked out at the world and it was brighter and clearer and calmer and beautiful. Even though I was in like the chaos of Ho Chi Minh, like it's still the peace. Just it lingered for days and days and days. And it was just such this amazing and beautiful experience that I wish I could give it to everyone. And then the next time I tried psilocybin, I went a little bit deeper and I got another understanding and again and again. And then I've microdosed many times since just trying to understand the depths of removing the power of control from my life and saying, I'm going to surrender myself over to this idea that plant medicine can be impactful, that it can change me, that it can heal me. And as we find research and studies for soldiers coming back with PTSD, we are looking at a complete change in the idea in which drugs and plant medicine can be used to help alleviate the symptoms and the ramifications of trauma. There's ketamine trials and LSD trials and ayahuasca trials and all of those things. And that's really powerful and really beautiful. And I've tried a couple of those other drugs. I've tried LSD and it was a really profound and beautiful experience. I felt good, right? I felt like I was able to gain clarity. And let me be clear too, because I think this is super important. My journey with drugs and plant medicine and these tools, which I consider tools, is very different than my experience in my youth. I don't chase that dragon. I go into these experiences with the understanding that there is a healing mechanism that exists within their chemical components. And by doing that, I'm able to evaluate what it is that I want to attain from that experience. For me, this idea of simply getting high carries no valor in my life. It does me literally zero good to just get high for the sake of it. 
when I step into these moments, I'm chasing something powerful and something beautiful, I hope. With also the understanding that on the backside of this, realistically, I could have a bad experience. And that to me has become okay. I look at it and I go, yeah, you know, I could actually have a bad experience. This could be really awful. And I look at other experiences that I've had and I go, they can be really beautiful. They can be really powerful. And I also had the opportunity to try ayahuasca. I've not yet done it. Everyone always says with ayahuasca, the mother medicine comes to you when you're ready. I think about it just like mushrooms. I must not be ready yet. There's something in the universe that I need to discover about myself or the world first before I'm going to have it. And I mean, I literally have had a dozen opportunities to do this and something just always comes up. And so I think about plant medicine and I think about this journey and I even think about how I use it in my life today. Not only when I'm looking for this awakening or understanding, but even in my daily life where CBD has become such a powerful component of my day to day. Because of all the trauma that I've had and some scares and not taking care of my health when I was young, I'm in pain quite often, which I don't ever really talk about, but I think in this context it's appropriate. And so because I'm in this physical pain quite often, I'm very cautious about not only my diet and my exercise and my movement and meditation and journaling and all those things, but I also need CBD. It helps keep me away from prescriptions. It helps keep me away from the other things that numb, but instead it's this healing thing. So whether it's a salve or you know a tincture or whatever, I found it to be very powerful for me. And it was such a great tool for me, especially when I was sick a few years ago because it helped me get through the day. And you can go and do all the research on CBD. It's all there. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we're able to experience now. And it's just a shame that it's not legal everywhere. I hope that one day it is because I, I know that millions and millions of people need this. And so as I start to head off here in this episode, you know, I think the biggest thing that I, I want you to take away from this is that everyone's journey and everyone's experience with plant medicine is going to be different. And I have felt a lot of beautiful healing come from different plant medicines, especially mushrooms and LSD, though it's not technically a plant medicine. I'm looking forward to trying ayahuasca. I still can't smoke marijuana unless I want to have a panic attack. And it's with that knowledge and that understanding and this growth and this place that I'm in in my life that I've had so many significant changes occur. And so if you're curious about these plant medicines and the impact that they have on trauma and healing, I think the best thing that you can do is research them. Research them. Talk to people because you can find them. They exist. Talk to people who have experienced it. Talk to people who administer it. There are even psychologists and psychologists and therapists who like will guide you through sessions. There's shamans, there's documentaries, there's podcasts, there's video, like there's everything. All the information that you need to know about this journey in stepping into plant medicine and the potential to be healed or find healing in it exists. The one thing I want to caution you about, though, is as you step into it, are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you experiencing plant medicine for the right purpose? I talk about this a lot. And intention is so incredibly important in all facets of your journey that you must 
sit down and make a choice and create intention around what it is that you want to experience. Because without doing so, it's like jumping out of a plane with no landing zone. My friend, I just want to thank you for spending some time with me today. I know this podcast is a little longer than usual. I wanted to go deep. I want to share some experiences with you. I hope it's profound for you. I hope something comes to you from this. And it would mean the world to me, seriously, if you would both rate and review this podcast on iTunes or share it with a friend. Share it with someone who needs it because I know that as a community and as a group of people and as the unbroken nation, the only way that we're going to create real change in the world is together. And so until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the Michael Unbroken podcast. To leave your question for Michael, call 971-801-2446. Please follow, like, subscribe, and review. And don't forget to check out more mental health resources at thinkunbroken.com. And follow Michael on Instagram at michaelunbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.